Hey, you ever notice that when advertisers are pushing a product or pushing some key information that they, they always seem to use people who will draw attention to a message or a product or people who will help aid in the credibility of the product or the message. One of my favorite examples of this recently is, is Uber Eats, which might be the greatest invention in the history of mankind. Um, you can like get any kind of food delivered to you now. And, and that's pretty awesome. And, and in their latest advertising blitz, they're using uh, two people that I think most of you are familiar with. Let me, let me just give you a little screen grab here of one of those commercials. It's, it's uh, Mark Hamill and Patrick Stewart, right? Uh, I don't know if you've seen these, but like you've got Luke Skywalker ordering food in kind of a funny way. And then the Star Trek guy, I don't remember his name, but it's Captain, okay, Trekkies, calm down. I'm sorry. Okay, I don't, okay, stop yelling at me. All right, uh, you got that guy, and then you got everybody knows Luke Skywalker because if it came down to it, ain't nobody beating up Luke Skywalker. Can we just agree with that? Okay, I mean, come on. I mean, the Star Trek guy doesn't have a lightsaber, right? So I love these, these advertisements. You've seen them, like they're hilarious, like they're, they're painfully awkward. <laughs> it's like, I'm having something, and well, I'm having, and then there's a doorbell, and then they, it's just weird and it's awkward, but it's memorable. And I'm talking about it today. And I'm not even a paid sponsor of Uber Eats, okay? I might be after today, but I'm not currently, okay? But like, what happens in these moments? Like, there's all these famous commercials through the years. It's, it's well, it's, it's someone that we would recognize and pay attention to and therefore listen to the pitch or, or remember the product or the message. I remember as a kid, do some of you remember this? Do you remember Fabio promoting... I can't believe it's not butter. All the ladies in the house. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good one. Okay, guys, how about remember Randy Macho Man Savage with Slim Jim? Remember that? Like, oh yeah, brother. Like, break into a Slim Jim. All right, you know, people really can't even barely tell us apart uh, when I do that. Very similar, okay? But like, if you think about it, like, what are advertisers trying to do? Well, they're, 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 they're hiring a spokesperson that represents some credibility, or they're hiring someone that you're gonna remember so that when the message is communicated or the product is promoted, you got it, you know, and you're moved to buy it or to remember it, to think about it. And, and that's typical, right? Which is what makes part of our Christmas story so strange. <laughs> because when the God of the universe chose to announce, to promote, to push, to advertise, if you will, the birth of our Savior and the greatest human being who's ever lived on this earth, he did the exact opposite of what an advertising firm would do today. And, and like, it's strange. 
Like we get it in our culture. Yeah, if you're gonna push something, like you hire somebody that's gonna help you push it, establish credibility, make it memorable, all the rest, we get that. But, but when the most important announcement in the history of the universe was given, it was actually given through the, 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 the most despised, least influential group of people on planet earth at that time. A bunch of shepherds. Now we've romanticized the shepherds. <laughs> the shepherds that you have over the mantle of your fireplace are wearing really nice robes. They have nicely trimmed beards. They're wearing Ugg boots, okay? Like the, these are nice shepherds, okay? They bought their stuff at Nordstrom, okay? Like these are shepherds that we have largely romanticized. And so when we think about this incredible announcement that a Messiah has been born, coming through shepherds, that kind of makes us feel good and cozy and Christmassy because look at these awesome shepherds coming and announcing the birth of Jesus. And there's Mary laying her little baby in a feeding trough. And that's just so sweet. I mean, what mother wouldn't want to lay their newborn child where a bunch of pigs had eaten slop the day before? It's just, we've romanticized this. And what's unique about the shepherds is that the shepherds were literally like the lowest people on the totem pole when it came to work, when it came to a career trajectory, when it came to respect in their community and in the society. They were the low men on the totem pole. You know what the modern day for shepherd is? Intern, okay? <laughs> they were interns. They were men mostly who couldn't get any other work, whose families were probably rather poor. These were people that you could smell coming before you could see coming. These were people that worked throughout the night, some of them. They worked with animals. They, 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 they didn't have to have any kind of education. These were people who were not respected. Their testimony was not admissible in a court of law. Okay, to say like that your son was a shepherd back in the first century was like saying in our day, oh yeah, my 34 year old son's living in my basement. Things are going really well for him. Right? Oh yeah, he's a shepherd. Like that's what people would have heard. I haven't seen your family in a while. How are they doing? Well, my son's a shepherd. Oh man. Wow, what a loser. Not let's put him on the mantle. <laughs> and so when you think about the way God announced the birth of our savior and the Messiah, when you go back to the first century, what you find is not Patrick Stewart and Mark Hamill. You certainly don't find Fabio or even Randy Macho Man Savage. <laughs> what you find is the Lord through his angelic host appearing to some shepherds in a field that were nearby the birth of our savior, the Lord Jesus, and, and who go in utter amazement to see for themselves and then who in their absolute joy begin to announce all around the town that the Messiah has been born. Men who had 
no credibility in their society. Men who would never have been hired as expert pitchmen of a product. Men who were utterly disqualified from, from throwing some weight behind a message and have other people believe it. But yet these are the people that the Lord sent his angels to tell and reveal that the Messiah, that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that the one who would die for our sins and overcome death, hell and the grave through his bodily resurrection, the one who would bring salvation to the earth was born in a small quaint little town called Bethlehem. And years ago, there was some lowly, down and out, outcast men and women who wrote a song about it. I think it's fitting that a song about shepherds telling the world about the greatest person who's ever lived was encapsulated and now for hundreds of years is still being repeated because of the work of some men and women who themselves were outcast, lowly, not influential. It's actually a group of slaves who endured the atrocities of the American slave trade the American slavery system, who somewhere in the mid-1800s put a chorus together that goes like this, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ was born. A God who announced our Savior's birth through the lowly and the outcast and those who are not influential is the same God who it seems was comforting those who were lowly and outcast and not influential when they, they put this old spiritual together that they would sing in the fields, that they would sing in their distress, that, that there's a message of joy to be proclaimed in a broken world. I can just imagine these men and women in their distress singing out together. Can't you just picture this as, a, as this old spiritual was formed? Down in a lowly manger, our humble Christ was born and brought us all salvation that blessed Christmas morn. Those lowly men and women were comforted by the fact that their savior came to them in a lowly manger and was heralded by some lowly shepherds. But nevertheless, the message of salvation rang loud and clear that our God is a God who welcomes all into his kingdom that will look to him for salvation. Our God is a God who raises up the lowly, who comforts the distressed and who brings victory to all who look to him. We have a message of hope to preach, do we not? We have a message of hope to proclaim. And go tell it on the mountain, the song that we are looking at today was an old spiritual formulated somewhere in the mid 1800s. We don't even know who wrote those original words, 
about our Savior being laid in a lowly manger, about his coming into this world being of humble circumstances and of his salvation being given to all who will receive it and therefore all having a message to proclaim a message of salvation. We don't know who wrote those original words. We, we don't know who wrote that original chorus. What we do know is who gathered it who wrote a couple of the verses and ultimately published it. He was a man by the name of John Wesley Work Jr. who grew up in Nashville, Tennessee and grew up the son of a man, John Wesley Work Sr., (laughs) who was a choir leader in his local church and who himself loved old spirituals. And John Wesley Work Jr. grew up in a singing family and he eventually went to college himself. He went to Fisk University there in Nashville where he studied Latin and history. And he, and he began to sing in what was called the Mozart Society. And following graduation, he went on to teach for a year there at Fisk University. He studied one year at Harvard University. He began working ultimately as a library assistant back at Fisk University. And then in 1898, he received a master's degree and took an appointment as a Latin and Greek instructor. And while teaching, he began to lean in to his greatest passion, which was music. And, and um, what he began to do was, was put some, some spirituals together in published form so that they would be preserved moving forward. Let me show you a picture here of John Wesley Work Jr. It's actually uh, one of the few pictures we have. It's a grainy picture of him, but that's John Wesley Work Jr., this man who began working on all of these old spirituals and not only singing them, but putting them together in book form. And one of his favorites was the song that you and I know is Go Tell It on the Mountain. He wrote the first couple of verses to it and then uh, retained the rest and published it in a book of spirituals in 1907. That's how long we've had our formal version of Go Tell It on the Mountain. It's based on Luke 2, on the announcement to the shepherds and the shepherds' subsequent announcement to those in the area of Jesus' birth. And then uh, ultimately we, we, we have it today, still singing it, not only reflecting back on Luke 2, but also Isaiah 52, which we'll look at today. So let me, let me just hit on a few verses here of Go Tell It on the Mountain, right? While shepherds kept their watching over silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens, there shone a holy light. The second verse says, the shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angel chorus that hailed our Savior's birth. And then my favorite verse, which as we know, it was the original, one of the original verses of the spiritual that again, you can hear just these men and women singing in their distress down in a lowly manger. Our humble Christ was born and brought us all salvation that blessed Christmas morning. So we all know the chorus, go tell on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. A great song that reminds us that our God and his gospel comes 
not just to the rich and famous, not just to the powerful and influential. Know our God and his gospel through the work of salvation that's found in Jesus and Jesus alone comes to the lowly, comes to the outsider, comes to the distressed, comes to, to, to the weary. Our God and his gospel, our God and his son, our God and his savior welcomes everyone into his family who will receive the gift of salvation that's found through Jesus Christ. And go tell it on the mountain. It's a song that reminds us that all of us are in need of Jesus' help, that all of us are spiritually poor, that all of us are spiritually broken, and all of us are in need of salvation. Just as we talked about last week with the song, Joy to the World, remember one of those verses in Joy to the World, right? That says, no more let sins and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. We sing joy to the world because our God, through the work of Jesus, has, has given us a solution to the curse of sin, to the presence of thorns and thistles and hardship and brokenness in the world today. Because through Jesus, he comes to make his blessings flow far as that curse is found. We have joy in the world today because of the work of Jesus, right? And today, today I want us to see that because Jesus came, we go with that message of hope. We go because Jesus came. We have a message to proclaim. We have a song in our heart. We have hope to offer the hopeless because God through Jesus has come to us. He has come to free us from the curse. He has come to make his blessings flow as far as that curse is found. And therefore we have a message of hope and a message of, of, of glory and a message of encouragement to give to the world. We go because Jesus came. And here's what I want you to see today. Here's what, what I hope you'll be encouraged with today, this Christmas season. Listen, no matter where you are in life, no matter how educated, how influential, no matter where you are on the scale like that, our society would have and register people in terms of careers and influence and education, all the rest. Here's some good news. God can and will use you right where you live with all the tools at your disposal, your personality, your talents, your influence at your school, at your job, in your community. Listen to me very, very carefully. If God can use a bunch of shepherds to announce the greatest birth in human history, then God can use you and God can use me. This great song that we sing is a reminder that we go and we tell the world about the good news of the birth of our Savior because the power in our going doesn't lie with us and our sharing. It lies with God and his saving. And God can and he does use anyone and everyone to share that word of hope and that word of encouragement. And the fact that God came and announced the birth of his son through a bunch of shepherds who came out of the field to go into a town close to where Jesus was laid in a feeding trough is, is a reminder that God can and will use every single one of us who make ourselves available. And Isaiah 52, one of the places where this song is based, right? Like it reminds us that our, our God, our, our, our God is worthy of being known. 
reminds us that the greatest privilege you and I have as Christ followers, listen to me carefully, is to make the message of hope and salvation known to those who are within our circle of influence. That's the greatest privilege we have. Isaiah 52, six says this, check this out. Let me show you a few verses that, 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 that became the foundation of Go Tell on the Mountain. Isaiah 52, six says this, this is God speaking to his people. He says, I will reveal my name to my people and they will come to know its power. God in his grace and his mercy is saying, I, I'm, I'm making my name known. I am making my glory known to my people and they will recognize that I'm the one who speaks to them. They will come to know the power of my name, the power of my presence, the power of my glory. And, and, and so God is saying that, hey, listen, I'm, I'm working and I'm, I'm, I'm moving in the world so that people will come to know my name, my power. My glory, that's the highest privilege we have in the world is to know God and his glory and his power and then to make that known. And so check out the next verse here, the next few here, Isaiah 52, seven to 10. So check this out. So then notice this reflection. So then God's, God's gonna make his name known. God's gonna make his power known. God's gonna make his glory known. And so how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings this good news. Now, why, why are they proclaiming it on the mountain? Because in the ancient days, that, that's where you would make an announcement because your voice would carry. There were not microphones. There was no social media. <laughs> like you would, you would announce something of significance on an elevated geographical place, right? And, and your voice would carry. And, and, so, and so how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? The good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. And today we celebrate that our God is on his throne and he rules and reigns with truth and grace. Isn't that good news? That's what Isaiah 52 said. Our God's gonna make his glory known. Our God's gonna make his power known. Our God's gonna make his name known. And how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those that bring that good news to the world who declare that our God reigns. Let me show you what comes next in verse eight. And the watchmen shout and they sing with joy. Notice the connection to last week, right? And joy to the world for before their very eyes, they see the Lord returning to Jerusalem. He's coming again. Let the ruins of Jerusalem break into joyful song for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has demonstrated his holy power power before the eyes of all the nations. You see here in the Old Testament, this anticipation that Messiah will come. He has, as we talked about last week, you and I live in a world where there's anticipation that he's coming again. And so there is joy in the world. We declare joy to the world. And then as a people, we make it our priority and our passion to go tell it on the mountain to all people everywhere. We go tell it that Jesus, who is the Christ, was born. And he was born to save. Say, who does he save? Everyone that calls upon him. The shepherd the outcast, the wicked, people like the man born blind, people like Zacchaeus, 
People like this guy named Saul that at one time persecuted the church but came to be the greatest church planner in the history of the world. You know, those kinds of people. God saves anyone and everyone who looks to him for salvation. And exhibit A of God's grace and mercy to us is the fact that he announced the birth of his son and our savior through some lowly shepherds. Right there, a reminder to us that our God can and our God will use everyone. You see, if it's true, and of course it is, that there's no one too low for God to lift up, that there's no one too broken for God to mend, that there's no one too lost for God to find, there's no one too hurting for God to heal and no one too sinful for God to save, then listen to me, Bell Shoals, we ought to go and tell it everywhere. We invite others. We talk about what God has done for us. We share the beauty of his salvation and of his daily provision and providence in our lives. This great song is a reminder that not every single person is called to full-time vocational mission work or ministry, but it's a reminder that every single Christ follower today has a part to play and can absolutely make a difference in just telling and sharing, inviting and going, giving and praying. When we go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, when we go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born, guess what? God works in a powerful Way. And I want you to know wherever you work, wherever you go to school, wherever you live, I want you to know God can use you today by inviting someone to come to church with you, by sharing your story, by talking about just in a very practical way what God has done in your life, by sharing the gospel with someone and just talking about the fact that, that salvation is found in Jesus, Jesus alone. Listen, God can and God will use you Listen, this song is a reminder that church is not primarily a place to go as it is a people who go. Church is not primarily about a place to go. It's about a people who go. A people who go and declare it on the mountains, over the hills and everywhere. A people who go, tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And therefore, our privilege, Bell Shoals, our privilege is to take this message of go and tell more than to sit on a message of come and hear. Let me tell you something. There are plenty of people. We got enough people here in the United States who every single week are content to come and hear. That's not what God's calling us to. We need a lot more people to go and tell. We got enough coming here. We gotta go and tell. Following Jesus is not a spectator sport. Watching Tom Brady is. Cause he's the goat, right? Okay, well, okay, I don't know. I'm not sure if we can clap for Tom Brady in church. I'm not, I'm not, I'm kind of conflicted in my spirit on that. <laughs> but there are some things that are spectator sports, definitely. like. Like, I, 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 this isn't a Christmas song. I think it's a country song. And 
I'm not even, I probably shouldn't be, but I think there's a country song. I'm not as good as I once was, but just once I'm as good as I ever was. Y'all heard that song? Like every time I watch Tom Brady, I think, man, I'm telling you, I could be Mike Evans. Like, I mean, I just, in my mind, like I can run, I can catch, like I'm quick, I'm shifty. Like, sure, if I ever got hit by Ray Lewis, I would die. But I mean, like, you know, like, like, like you watch, like I could do that, right? Like I could score 10 points in an NBA game. I know I could if there were no one else on the court. Like I know, right? And you think, and like, okay, there are some things, it is a spectator sport, right? Like I can't do what those people do. I just can't. They're amazing. They're, I can't do it. I think I can, but I know I can't. And here's the beautiful thing about being a part of the body of Christ. I just hope you're so encouraged by this today. Whatever you bring to the table, God will use. Amen. It's amazing. The greatest movement in the history of the world we're a part of, and God will use you. It's not a spectator sport. It's not coming here every week. It's go and tell. And it's share your story. It's invite a friend. It's invite a coworker. It's talk about how God's transforming. It's very practical. It doesn't have to be weird and awkward. You don't have to have um, something memorized or attract a handout. Listen, just share your story. Go and tell it everywhere, over the hills and everywhere that Jesus Christ is born. It's so cool that God will use you and me. That's why Paul said in Romans 10, yeah, that same Paul who used to be Saul, who was radically saved by the grace of Jesus, he said this in Romans 10. Check this out. He says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? All of us have a part to play. All of us can make a difference. This is our mission as a faith family. We go because Jesus came. And it's our highest privilege to do that. Amen? It's our highest privilege to do that.